Welcome to episode three of the Poetica and Prose podcast. Tonight, we're going to be talking about spoken word. But first, I want to introduce my co-host, Prose of a Con, Corey Young. Hi, Corey. Hi, everybody. How are you tonight? So good. I always respond with so good. I'm so good. I actually am so good tonight. I'm really glad to hear that. And then we need to say hello to producer Paul. Hi, producer Paul. Hello, children. How are you? (laughs) We're good. How are you tonight? So good. So so good. So good. That's wonderful. So So we're going to talk about spoken word. This is exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, So what is spoken word? I know people are probably wondering um, that don't aren't intimately familiar with poetry. And it is defined by Wikipedia as performance art that is word based. It's an oral art that focuses on the aesthetics of wordplay and intonation and voice inflection. It's a catch-all which includes any poetry recited aloud, including hip-hop, jazz poetry, poetry slams, traditional poetry readings, and can include comedy routines and prose monologues. So I think we've all been exposed to this at, at one point or another. And I think something that's really interesting about the poetry culture right now is there's actually novels that are being written that are based off of this. So Colleen Hoover has a very, very popular novel called Slammed. Um, that centers around um, a couple who does slam poetry. And yes, Corey, it's chiclet. And no, you probably don't want to like read it. What does chiclet mean? It's, it's literature for women. That's all I read kid. (laughs) Wait, it's not romance. novels. Uh, This isn't like signing up for the women's studies course in college. If it says throbbing member in it, I'm fucking reading it. Like that's all <laughs> there are no throbbing members. I don't even right. think there's sex in that book. I don't my, think so. So you it, definitely wouldn't. No sex and no pictures. So you certainly would talk, not be interested. It doesn't talk about um, quivering folds uh, or or pulsating love muscles. No. Yes, love it. No. All right. He, he did not sheath his sword <laughs> in any way. It was good. It was good about. It was about we poetry. Already, we have already derailed. God. That was quick. <laughs> it's totally your you fault. Made it like two and a half minutes and we fucked that up. That was your fault. <laughs> so um, there are so I mean poetry is poetry, right? There's there's written poetry, and then you know obviously we do open mics and we all recite poetry. But in my mind, there's a very different thing beside between poetry recitation and listening to spoken word. W- would you guys agree? I mean, you guys are always participative on the open mic, so. Producer Paul. I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I, I, do, I do agree. I agree too, whatever it is, we I agree. We both agree. No, I agree. I know what you're talking about. It's like, uh, if you talk about um, some people, I mean, of course, the level of talent in the lives lately have been has been through the roof, amazing to me. Um, but there's something different, obviously, when, especially since you've been bringing people in, there's obviously something different hearing somebody read something rather than reading it and your, yourself. And there, another element to it is seeing it when seeing them read it. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing. People come for sure to see uh, Chris perform their pieces, but especially when you first started having people come in to read their own, just it, who, who was the first? Would, would it have been um, maybe Cass or? I think Wonderland. Wonder, yeah, Cass. So uh, just blown away. She blew the doors off everybody. And since then, it's just been a stream of people uh, coming in and performing their own works. And it's just absolutely amazing because you get a, an emotional context that you might not get with somebody else reading. Absolutely. And I think it's enriched. I think hearing them spoken by the creator enriches the experience because they know the depth of emotion and they know the inflection and they have um, the intimate knowledge of the history of the piece so that they're able to do that. But there are people who stand out with a very distinctive performance style. And the people who stand out, obviously, you know, we have Kat who's going to talk about this um, with us today. But there is also Wonderland, who you guys reference. So Cass, Cass is one of the top 
um, tier premier spoken word artists for anyone's pieces. Her pieces are fantastic. However, hearing her read and bring to life anybody else's pieces uh, is is wonderful. Like I, when I recite a piece, it's like, you know, it, it would be <laughs> it would be in a salon somewhere, right, where everybody's sort of like sipping wine and and <laughs> and it's very it's very relaxed and it's very calm. <laughs> And when Cass and Cat and Captain Grawlix is another one and Vayu King is another one, when they perform their pieces, they bring the story to life with this in- intonation and inflection and this passion that is just much more on the level of a performance mm-hmm. than, than a, a recitation or a regular reading. Yeah. And we've talked about before where every piece can't be performed that way. So there's obviously um, a little, you know, when you're writing it and when there's, you, you get the feeling of it and you like, I'll just say with my stuff, it's more, um, it's softer. It's more calm. It's more, I think explained. And they, some of those people that you mentioned have read my, have read my work and alive, which is an honor but even when they read it, like I, I comes to mind Wonderland when she read my stuff, Cass, um, she she gets the voice of it. She gets the feeling of it. And there's a lot of that that goes into it uh, doing spoken. Otherwise, you're going to give it something that's not supposed to be there. Absolutely. So I thought it might be good to, to show the juxtaposition between sort of a regularly recited poetry piece and then an example of something that's written more for spoken word. Um, And Corey, I know you have a piece that you're going to share with us on the back end of the interview. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm going to give an example of a couple of pieces. So um, one, this is the example, which is a more traditional piece of poetry that's recited. Um, And this is from my After You series that's been going on for the the past two weeks. And it reads, we were made by the sun, a once fertile field laying fallow for a season. In some future spring, this earth will be turned again and made ready for planting. And I will carry you with me the way soil carries the roots of the previous year's reaping. What was once an upheaval will yield new growth. And while some of the seeds of us may linger dormant, I will pluck anything that resembles you like the intruders they are, threatening to choke the virgin vines that wrap around me with a love you could never name or comprehend. Someday soon, I will not love you anymore. I love that piece. I read that on the phone with you today. You did. You did. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, So that's, but that's an example of the more traditional, that's, that's how I read. Um, and so then there's another piece um, that was my first attempt, and I, I'm not going to claim any kind of like proficiency at this whatsoever, but hopefully in the recitation, you'll be able to see the difference because this was super out of my comfort zone. Um, but this is my first performance piece. It's called She Was Lost. She was lost all those years ago on neighborhood streets with trees and fiends disguised as lovers who teach and they sing and they woo and they slay, then they eat and I get no sleep. I feel his hands crawling and his words mauling. He says, I'll never satisfy a man, so I overhaul everything. I erase it all away line by line until there's nothing left, at least nothing that's mine. If there was, someone might take it, twist it, pretend to love it, rape it. I do better next time. When love knocks, I answer. I'm light as hell on my feet by now. Always been a good dancer. He looks at me with eyes that could swallow the world. And he swears if he can, he'll make me his girl. And I'm letting him. No way I'm forgetting it. Not this feeling. I'm betting it's love. I'll end up regretting it. And it's ending because of the lies and the drugs, the guns and the booze, the girls and the thugs. Just go home, Chris. You don't own this. Maybe that's true, but you sure as hell owe me this if you say we're through. I couldn't leave if I wanted, so I get older and stay, hoping I'll bend and maybe you'll sway. Anything but this trying to send me away. But you got yours and that means I got mine. I'll never be fine. I'll never be fine. You sent a trap that made me easy to find. It was my birthday. I had a little too much to drink, puke in my hair and all in the sink. He told him to claim me or someone else would. So a couple weeks later, he proved that he could. And I cried in the backseat while Kokomo played. I'll never hear it again without reliving that day. Whew. That's powerful. Thank you. 
Yeah, I remember when you read that to me on the phone. <laughs> I say that about, but I remember when you read that to me on the phone. I've, we always read it to each other on the phone. Yes, it's beautiful. Sure. So thank you. But the, you can see the difference in the cadence of that and mm-hmm. the way that it's performed. It has a, a very different, uh, a very different style to it. Yes, I, I, what I notice about it is because I like to rhyme, and I used to like to rhyme a lot. I notice the rhythm. That's all I used to care about with writing was the rhythm and the rhyme. And uh, I noticed how, how the rhyming words push like multiples together, different different things like that. It kind of accents each each line or what you're trying to, you know, maybe the part you're trying to accent right now. It's uh, it adds something to it, most definitely. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's time probably to talk with the experts. So um, we have a previously recorded interview with Kat um, that I'd really like to 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 let you guys listen to. Um, and again, this is Misguided Ivy on Instagram. You guys, if you're Instagrammers, should definitely go check her out. So let's take a few minutes and listen to what Kat has to say um, and leave it to the experts about spoken word. So I'm here with Cat Ivy, Misguided Ivy, who is my partner in crime on Instagram and my soul sister and also one of the first and best spoken word um, artists that I have come across in my time on Instagram. Say hi, Cat. Hi. And her, um, and we'll have this posted after, but she is at Misguided Ivy on Instagram. You should definitely check her out because her pieces are amazing and her page is amazing. So Kat, how did you come to be part of the Instagram community? Um, I've had an Instagram account for a good five-ish years. Have you? I have. um, And I did not know that there was a poetry community at all. (laughs) Um, that entire time, um, I, I spent some time just posting general pictures of my, my regular life. Um, I do a lot of like makeup and, and weird things that I was trying to kind of gain a little bit of a following for, um, and it's just so saturated like that. There's not this big community aspect and, and I kind of stumbled into the poetry side of things. Um, I went through a really nasty breakup. (laughs) (laughs) So many poets Um, get started that way. (laughs) It's exactly how my journey with poetry started. Um, I've been interested in poetry before that. I've written pieces here and there. I've been obsessed with spoken word for several years now. But the, the inciting factor that led me to seek out an account on Instagram specifically for poetry was because I went through this nasty breakup and I wanted to write poems and I wanted to share them with people. Um, I had been in the back of my head this whole time, like you really need to get your work out there. You really need to start, start doing this and making it public and being consistent with how much you write. Um, but I didn't want a certain someone reading it. (laughs) (laughs) And I also, I also didn't want to, I wanted to know that when I started putting myself out there, the response that I got was genuine and it wasn't just people from my real life giving me, you know, (laughs) good for you likes that they're not actually reading it and connecting with the work. Um, So I wanted a new space where I could just put the work out there and see what happened as a result of that and only that with no background knowledge from anyone else who came across it. So I was like, okay, well, I tried that on Tumblr. <laughs> we all tried it on Tumblr. Um, <clears throat> I didn't find what I was looking for there. And um, actually, the whole reason why I picked Instagram was um, because my sister is a lot more knowledgeable about technology and, and social media than I am. Um, and I was telling her, you know, I want to post my stuff. And I've been doing it on Tumblr occasionally, but I'm just too lazy to log all the way out and log all the way in with another account. And she's like, you know, on Instagram, you can just flip back and forth. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> you can? And she was like, yeah, it's so easy. And she just gave me like a little intro on how to do it. And I was like, oh, this is a whole new world whole new world there was a choir of angels yeah there was a choir of angels so i did that um set up an account started posting things there um and i was blown away by 
how quickly I was able to connect with other people simply by using hashtags yes. of like poetry. And, and so I'd post a piece and come up with some hashtags that I thought were relevant so that it would potentially be seen by somebody. And then after that, I'd click my own hashtag that I used to see who else was using it, see what else popped up in my feed. And I immediately started finding people with amazing work that I wanted to follow. And it was crazy how quickly this ramped up. It does. I was overwhelmed because like I mentioned, I had an Instagram account for my personal stuff for well over five years before I started this. And I think Currently, I've got like 280 something on people <laughs> on that one. And most of them are people I know, people that have come over from Vine or people that I know from my real life. Um, and that's it. That's all that I've amassed over there. And that's fine because it's not really something I'm seeking out a, a life goal from. But um, when I came over to to my poetry account, I was just stunned. It's by a, how much activity was already going on that I had never encountered before. And, and you know, I have to say that for you, it was such a good time to come over. Um, you are and and riding the wave of the, you know, 18 to 30 something. Um, super cool, super hip. <laughs> <laughs> way cooler than me, way hipper than me crowd. I don't know if I can wear that. You can absolutely wear that crown and your work is so relevant to that. And we're going to hear some of your work. I'm so excited. We're going to get to hear some of your work by the end of this, but um, her work really hits a sweet spot with that demographic. And it's no surprise to me that, that your account is growing there. Um, You are certainly, you you have name recognition and that's something that's That's so weird to me. (laughs) Something that's important. That's still hard to wrap my head around. It is, right? That I can show up in a live and people go, oh, cat. Like they see my username and they know me on a first name basis and they say hi like oh our friend is here this is just such a weird it's a weird experience experience. it's a weird and amazing experience it's a byproduct of the community that's a little bit strange we talked in the first episode Corey and I did about the varying levels of celebrity that sit sit within our space (laughs) and you know name recognition is the the best way that you can get you know grassroots followers and then start to to really gain some recognition and you're active in the community though I mean you attend open mics you attend events you hold open mics yeah you're a curator yeah. Um. <laughs> and that all happened so fast. Um, and it all happened really, I, I want to give you credit for this because, you know, I knew that lives were a thing that existed, but I'd never really been in anything that seemed cohesive. It was just like, oh, someone's sitting on their bed and they're going to open up and say like, hey guys, what's going on today? I'm hanging out and I don't really know what I'm doing here. I'm just trying to, you know, yeah, it's fun. But when I first started, um, I had in my head, like, I wanted to eventually branch this into a spoken word thing. And so when I saw that there were people doing lives and they were actually doing readings, I was like, this is cool. And I went into yours. (laughs) You were doing an open mic and you called for submissions. You said, if anyone wants to send stuff in, go ahead. And I, in my moment, I had this brief pause where I'm like, oh God, oh God, am I really going to do this? (laughs) I think I'm going to do this. (laughs) I'm going to do it, damn it. <laughs> and I was like, it doesn't matter. No one knows me here yet. I haven't said my name. That's like, right. I, I wasn't one of those people that walked into the room yet. Like I didn't I didn't lurk for a long time and watch. I participated in the very first yeah. one. And I think I did that on purpose to like force myself yes. into that scenario yes. where like, okay, you can't back out now. Like you're already fully committed to this. And it worked. It did. Because from that point on, I was like, okay, I'm addicted to this now. And you've already kind of jumped in head first. You didn't like, you know, wait for your, your foot to like adjust to the water temperature. You, no, like, you just, just dove right in there You do- and you killed it all. and you, and you <laughs> fucking killed it. So it was fantastic. And I fell in love with you in that moment and have not stopped like, you know, poetry crushing on you. And then we found out we were like soul sisters. Yeah. So. <laughs> Whole nother level right there. So, um, yeah, so that's amazing. So glad that you're in addition to the community and just so that, um, this group knows we, uh, Kat is going to be managing and doing the chief editing for development for our spoken word aspect. So very excited about that. Silver Era Media. So I'm thrilled to announce that she's taking that position with us. And um, that's super cool. And I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm 
beyond excited to be a part of this team. So, okay. So you said that you went through a bad breakup and you started writing poetry and that's sort of tied into the Instagram piece of it. But like, had you ever written before that? How long have you actually been writing? So I've been writing on and off for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, I was the quintessential like bookworm nerd mm-hmm. child who spent all of my time alone. Preach, and, sister. Uh, <laughs> Preach. Um, I read through recess a lot of times. I read through lunch at home <laughs> on on summer breaks. They, My parents would be like, hey, have you eaten today? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. What's that? <laughs> Um, so that just kind of naturally, when you read that much, it kind of turns into writing. Yeah. Um, maybe not for everybody, but that's just been my experience. Everyone that I know who reads excessively is to some degree good at communicating in written where they may not have a passion for it, but they, they but they're have, good at it. They have the, the capability. <laughs> they yeah. have the, they have the foundations for yeah, sure. Because you're building your internal vocabulary yeah. constantly. Yeah. Um, and it just lends itself to that. So I kind of got hooked on, I, I was the goosebumps kid who was like really into like spooky stuff. So I started writing my own little scary stories and trying to come up with things. And actually Shocker. <laughs> one of my earliest memories is getting in an argument with, I think she was my third grade teacher. Cause we had these, like these books that you're supposed, they're empty and you're supposed to come up with your own. Yeah story and fill the pages and make a cover and everything. I don't know if they make them anymore because they're so cool. They're, they're That's literally really... like a blank bound book that you can color and draw in. It's great. But find um, those. So I, I made this story, um, which strangely enough is, is like a story that I'm, I've been working on <laughs> for a long one time. One of those ones know. you've been working on for like 15 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, basically. I got one of those too. Um, but it was called the sign of dread and my, teacher fought with me on whether or not dread was a word. And I was like, I'm a third grader. And I know that this word is a legitimate, like, just look it up in the dictionary. What are you talking about? Like, how could you say that that's not a real word? Wow. Yeah. So anyways, all of that to say- The struggle is real, people. (laughs) I've been writing for a long time. But I've never Longer than your third grade teacher, apparently. Yeah. uh, I've never been super consistent about it. Consistency (laughs) has always been something I've struggled with. Um, so even talking about people who, who write in a journal consistently, I've never done that. I've never done that. I've never filled up a whole journal. I have about 20 of them. They each have about three pages written in. I know. I know. (laughs) But my phone's full. That that's yeah, exactly. My notes app is completely full and I'm constantly having to remove stuff. So I have more space. Um, but to that end, I've I've tried a lot of different forms of writing. I ran a blog for a while when I first had my son. I did the whole mommy blogger thing. Nice, nice. Um, that solid progression. <laughs> so I did some like opinion pieces and articles. And anyone who's checked out my work on Instagram will know that I am very outspoken about my beliefs about feminism and things like that. So I was just kind of dipping my toes in at that time, writing opinion pieces about societal issues. Um, but it was much more article oriented and Mm -hmm. there wasn't much prose, like, like poetic type stuff. Um, and I would occasionally write a poem here or there, but they all felt very like high school to me. They all felt like super childish and angsty until, until about two, three years ago. Mm -hmm. And I, I totally credit that to finding spoken word and realizing like, Hey, poetry is not this like old antiquated thing. Yeah, antiquated. Exactly. Exactly. So talk to me about that. Like, was your mind blown when you discovered that there was spoken word? Was it just sort of a natural evolution? Like, what made you a spoken word poet? I, my mind just, I feel like when I first, the first piece that I saw that was technically spoken word was through TED Talks. Mm. Um, And I I just love watching all I love TED TED Talks, yeah. Um, But it was you know, I went into it thinking I was just going to talk, see like a motivational speaker, like a regular thing. But then she started speaking in these metaphors and visual representations of things. And, and it was just amazing. And I, I, I got hooked immediately and and they linked to button poetry, I believe at the time. Um, And I just stood, uh, stood, I was sitting, obviously I was watching on YouTube and I was, I just spent hours 
watching all of these. But it's funny because this happened kind of alongside, I I was really active in the Vine community Mm -hmm. while that was still a thing. Um, And I kind of didn't even realize that what I was doing was a form of spoken word Mm. until I kind of put the pieces together and I saw someone else doing the same thing, but it was considered poetry. And I went, oh, this makes sense. This is what I've been trying to say and do all along. So I was doing what I call, I actually, my, my former um, social media name was taxidermy worms. (laughs) (laughs) I love that name, (laughs) which is just weird. I don't know. It was one of those things you're trying to come up with weird band names. Yeah. You know, the joke. That's a good one. That's a taxidermy worm. That was, that was my rock band band name. Um, But anyways, so I had this hashtag that um, I used on Vine, uh, happy rants with taxidermy worms, (laughs) because I would, I would go on rants about things, but the way I would do it was in that, like, prose poetic way yeah. like I always tried to, I've always been a huge fan of alliteration and I always tried melodic to, lyrical yeah, tried to make it make it um into more of a performance than just like I'm angry I'm gonna say some things I wanted to to one of my favorite things about written word spoken word any kind of verbal or written communication is Finding the missing pieces in conversations where people have people have commonalities that they're missing from each other and they're trying to say it, but they're not saying it in a way that the other person can understand. And I like to find that spot and dig at it and just go, okay, how can I say it so that both sides of this equation actually get the message? Like they, they really actually truly hear it and it'll get through to both sides. Um, and that's where I feel like my sweet spot is and what I try to do with most of my communication. I would agree. <laughs> I, I, I think that that's such a perfect representation of your work because it's focused and it's balanced and it's precise. And it's, I think I've used the word surgical a couple times and that may just be because you use a lot of medical metaphors. And things like that, but <laughs> well, a lot of anatomy. A lot of anatomy, indeed. Um, yeah. But I feel like that that's a very accurate representation of the way the way that you work. And I, I just want to call out because I know that we're not live and you people can see the camera, but when Kat talks about spoken word, her whole little face lights up <laughs> and she gets so happy. It's I a, love it. It's a wonderful thing to watch. I mean, she's a wonderful person to watch anyway, but um, it, she's so very passionate about it. So, I mean, how does this work? Do you do you design a poem to be a spoken word piece? Are, do they just come out that way? Or is there, are they interchangeable? What, because your spoken word is different than how I recite my poems. I feel like there are certain pieces that I know as I'm writing them, like this is, this is going to be, I'm going to write this up and it's going to be in written format somewhere, but this is really, really meant to be heard. Okay. Um, and I don't necessarily go into it with that, okay, I'm going to write it so it sounds good mm-hmm. spoken. It's just I can tell as I'm starting the piece that this is a conversation rather than – Yeah. What's um, the difference? I feel like spoken word is is just that. It's a conversation with your audience rather than this is this finished piece that I'm putting out there mm-hmm. for you to dissect. This is me starting something that's – a back and forth. This is me inviting you into something. So this is the coolest thing because your work definitely inspires a volley. I mean, and I see this with other spoken word artists as well. So I was hoping that you were going to hit on it when you you brought it and I may have manipulated the question a little bit to get us there. But <laughs> um, I, I see that so much more this, you know, that's yet another facet of the community that I think is really amazing is the spoken word artists that volley lines or themes or an- direct answers back and forth. And so yeah. it really does become a conversation. I yeah. mean, we've been following and tracking this morning and we <laughs> see, you know, some of that just happens kind of naturally. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah. Um, as far as do I design them specifically to be that way? I don't think so. I think there are some pieces that I write that I'm like, that definitely doesn't need to be said out loud. It won't gain anything from being said out loud. It doesn't hurt like when we're doing an open mic and I'm like, oh, I wrote this piece today. I'm going to read it out loud. But it doesn't hit that same way. Yeah. Um, 
it doesn't feel like it needs to be presented in any other way than written to make sense. Um, whereas there are some pieces that I write that um, I feel like unless they're spoken out loud, no matter how much grammar, like punctuation and whatever I throw in there to make it emphasize the right parts, it's just not going to have the same impact. And I feel like, I feel like that's part of what I think is exciting about spoken word is that it brings poetry to a whole new audience. It does. Of people who would not sit down and read a, a written paragraph yes. of any yes. kind, but they still have that love for and, and craving for finding their feelings in a piece of work in words. Yeah. And I think too, what that taps into is that group of people who love lyrics and music. Yes, exactly. Right. But aren't going to sit down and read a book, but aren't going to sit down and read a book of poetry. And so they, it's, it's, and, and what I think is so great about that is so much spoken word. It's not, it's not, easily digestible. Yeah. It's not easily consumable. Yeah. It requires an attention. It yeah. requires attention of listening between the speaker and the listener. You know, it requires, it requires a focus on both sides. As you said, it's a conversation. Um, and so it's not, it, it's not, um, it doesn't dumb anything down. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just this really rich, it's just this really rich sort of three dimensional, or 360 degree view yeah. of poetry. I think that's how I see it. Yeah. That's how I see it. So, um, so do you write, like we've, we've kind of already addressed this, but you've said that when you write a piece, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's about the package. It's the, it's the yeah. packaging of the words and the way that they go together. Yeah. So does that happen and evolve equally the same way for you? Like you started and there's a different resonance in how you're writing it. So, you know, it's not going to be a spoken word piece. Or is everything pretty much for you on the table as spoken word? I think most things are on the table as spoken word. Um, I think, though, I, I don't... Let me, let me try and formulate my thoughts on this. Um, I think anything written could be spoken. However, there are plenty of things, like I said before, that don't benefit all that much from being spoken out loud. And when I'm when I'm forming a new piece and working through it and I've kind of already gotten that sensation that this is meant to be a spoken piece, it kind of takes off on its own and creates its own cadence. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas some of the pieces that I feel are, this is, this is best consumed in a written format. Yeah. Don't have that same, um, whether it's lyrical or, more conversational than my normal stuff. So if I'm writing a piece that I know I'm not going to take the time to record a live version of it, whether it's just too short form for it, just Mm -hmm. doesn't necessitate that. Or it's, and I don't want to say this in a way that, that makes one better than the other. They're just very different to me in my mind. Um, I feel like the pieces that seem more traditional poetry Mm -hmm. don't, lend themselves as well to spoken word. And I feel like I can sense when I'm writing something that's more like me having a conversation with someone who's not in the room Mm -hmm. and saying all the things that I wish I could say in the moment, then I know that's going to be a spoken word. Got it. Got it. No, I think that that makes total sense because it's, it's that train of thought. That's like, if I didn't have to think on the spot with an immediate response. And I had time to think through all the facets and nuances of the message that I want to get across overall. Mm -hmm. I think that's what spoken word is really good for because you can take a topic and expand on it. And I think spoken word in general is just kind of lends itself to like really long form pieces. And that's, that's the way my brain works. Yes, I like to pick a topic or whatever it is that's kind of piqued my interest that day. And I circle around it. Like I don't just think about one aspect of thing. I things I have to just, <laughs> and I make myself dizzy with it. Just <laughs> going in, in this orbit around it and around it until I see every side of the scenario and then start drawing connections okay, this affects that and this affects that. And that's, I feel like that's why spoken word is powerful because it systematically breaks it down. Yes, exactly. I mean, let's call it what it is. It's the freestyle rap of poetry. Yes, absolutely. It, it absolutely is. Yes. You going to drop an album anytime soon? <laughs> I don't 
don't know about that. <laughs> but we did actually have a I have a conversation a while back. I remember when we were talking about silver silver arrow. My goodness, words. I know. Um, when we were talking about the potential of what this could be mm-hmm. long term, I remember saying I feel like we're hitting with all of the social media, and for a while there, we kind of didn't really know what to do with all of this. New yeah, yeah, information technology. Um, but I feel like we're hitting a stride with it and there's kind of this creative renaissance happening right definitely, now. Definitely. And it's interesting because having worked at like a, a used bookstore and seeing all these old mediums coming back to style and I see all these people bringing in like, you know, um, CDs of comedians and I'm like, when did we stop buying and making those? When, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And people got in their rut of I'm watching what's being handed to me with TV and like, I'm not thinking about what other kinds of art and media and is out there for me to consume. Exactly. But now that we have all these social media and people are listening to podcasts and people are creating YouTube channels and there's apps galore on all different kinds of things that you can make. And I got hung up on, on Vine for a while and it was like, how many ways can you use this one thing? Like I'm trying stop motion. I'm doing yeah, like creepy, no, I think, you know, horror vines and doing spoken word and everything. It's just, I think. It, it ties back yeah. into that discussion, again, referencing our pilot episode that, you know, when we introduced the community and we talked about the fact that we're flexing social media mediums in ways that they're not meant to be yeah. used and to be on the edge of that. That, that thing that I agree is a renaissance. I mean, I think there's a call to bring art and elegance and, and something with a little dignity, yes. you know, back into culture to bring yes. culture back to culture again. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's certainly a quest of like everyone that I know. So <clears throat> who is an, who's a creator and an artist. And I'm going to apologize that I'm clearing my throat. I'm having the worst allergy day today. <laughs> so I'm so sorry, everybody. Now I've just drawn your attention to it. I have to not do it for the rest of the time that we talk. So that's fantastic. Thank you, Chris, no for pressure. doing that. No pressure at all. Except sinus pressure. Except <laughs> There's no pressure like sinus pressure. There truly isn't. There truly isn't. And so producer Paul has been very quiet and has not been sending me notes to not sniffle or be quiet. So hi, producer Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Producer Paul, my friends, he is the most wonderful producer in the world. Well, Kat, I don't think I can wait anymore. I really want to hear some examples. I want the world to hear your, your wonderful spoken words. So all right. What have you got for us? I'm so okay. excited. So I have three pieces that I have prepared. Um, the first is, so as I mentioned, I was already super obsessed and watching button poetry on YouTube and things of that nature for quite a while before I discovered this YouTube, or sorry, this Instagram community. And um, before that whole nasty breakup situation, there was a uh, there was another smaller situation that got me angry enough to write a piece. Oh, great. Okay. Um, and anger poetry. I, I, well, there you go. That's that's another aspect of spoken word that I feel like is unique. I mean, we can we can write written pieces that are are angry, but I feel like if I'm if I'm really feeling something really strong, it's gonna probably be spoken word. <laughs> that's how I know. Watch out, world. Okay. So um, this is the first piece I ever wrote and recorded a spoken word, and I was so nervous. Oh, great. Okay. So nervous. Are you nervous this, now? This... I am now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs> Ooh, I'm sorry if that sent a reverberation. <laughs> I, I kicked the... Uh... We're all professionals here in the <laughs> I studio. I kicked the mic. Slash dining room table. <laughs> so this, it, this piece is called This Is My Brain on Jealousy. I expect nothing less than everything, every thought tempered with flavors of me, not hindered but enhanced by the desire, by my preternatural presence in your psyche. But the idea of considering me alongside everything to you feels suffocating. I rejoice in making you feel secure. No need to wonder, no use for jealousy, and you relish in all your free-for-all spaces where you don't have to think of me. Oh, to feel intoxicating again once I've come to know that my need of you has been nauseating. How can I trust enough to relax into that feeling to be loved when I'm seen but not felt, irrelevant when I'm not present? I don't stick around, coat your tongue, fill your lungs like you do me. Instead, I've grown stale. 
something available and ready to satiate, but not a hot, enticing meal served on a plate with titillatingly sharp edges. I don't make you insatiably hungry, but a man still needs to eat, doesn't he? And who am I to judge when sushi is rightly apt to catch my eye? But I didn't join a pizza fan club only to come home and claim I don't eat cheese. This got weirdly into consumables, but perhaps that's because I feel both used up and empty. I want to be your always full, the consumable you don't resent refilling because you don't have to make yourself desire air. It just happens naturally. You don't turn to helium or nitrous oxide because you craved it in the moment due to air not being there. Air was there. But I'm not air. I will never be air. Why am I always wishing to be intangible things? You won't choke and die without me. In fact, my absence makes you grow fonder of other things, other thighs, other smiles, enough so that you just can't fucking hold back from typing. Truly amazing. And here I am again, pushing you away with the pain that you press so deep in my belly. Damn. (laughs) And that is misguided Ivy's spoken word. Kat, that is an astonishing piece. Thank you. Astonishing. (laughs) I love it so much. See, I'm so jealous of your ability to like deliver that way because I don't, I can't, I just, I'm not, I'm not built that way. I love the way you do deliver pieces in your open mics. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of it is just having watched so much spoken word, but there's something completely captivating to me about that internal rhythm where it's not, where you're not actually starting and stopping on the lines as they're written Mm -hmm. you're kind of stopping halfway through and like bleeding into the next paragraph really fast and i don't know where (laughs) i picked that up from but (laughs) it it works that's all i can tell you is it works beautifully (laughs) so all right what else all right so this one um and this is something that um i find really interesting in in and i'm not going to get into it too much but in in the difference between what one would consider spoken word and what one would consider slam poetry because slam poetry used to just mean in reference to a competition, Correct. but now it's kind of morphed into, um, it's a, it's a subgenre of spoken word. Right. Yeah. Right. And now it's kind of morphed into meaning it doesn't necessarily have to be for competition, but it's almost always indicating that it's, it's something talking about, a subject that you feel really passionately yes. about, yes. like some kind of societal issue. It's, yes. it's a commentary more than it is yes. anything else. That's fair. That's um, fair. So you're slamming whatever it is mm-hmm. that you're talking out, speaking out against, kind of. Um, and this piece, I think, was my first that I would consider a slam piece falling under that umbrella okay. of slam. That's great um, because this is this is my me too. Me Too poem. Mm-hmm. So this was in reference to that whole poem. movement. Um, and this is the first one that I posted after getting my Instagram account. And I did write a written uh, version of it. And I posted like an excerpt. This was before I knew you could do like the the pages. Yeah. Or the, the slides. The, the slides swiping for more um, for video as well. So I just posted like a little snippet of it and sent people to my YouTube. But I'm still getting there. I'm figuring out the technology you got it, side of things. You got it. So yes, this is uh, my Me Too piece, and that's just all it's called is Me Too. First kiss jitters might as well have morphed my juvenile lips into trembling wet paper for all the pressure it took your unexpectedly violent tongue to pry its way in. Princess movies never painted it like this. Me Too. Bra strap snapped in math class. You look like Britney Spears' pubescent breath on my neck, cornering me with compliments in locker-lined hallways, teacher eyes rolling in the presence of boys that will be boys prowling, predatorily sprouting, scouting freshly sprouted boobs. Me too. Opportunistic dares never truths. Me too. Desire mistook for more than it ever had a chance to blossom into mere hope for a kiss from a crush in a high school parking lot under the influence of cold, hard teenage rebellion cocaine and a painfully shy anxiety I'd hidden below my surface of boiling leftover childishness turned to you already on top of me a no stuck in my throat never to be heard a school bus never again synonymous with safe me too. 
gruff voice out open car window and overwrought affectation of trustworthy. Where are you going, sweet thing? Inching along, pace matching my sidewalk strides. Didn't I know you were just a good guy trying to do his good deed? You'll be sorry you didn't take my ride when you run into some creep tires peeling. Me too. Husbands who substitute guilt trips and cold shoulder woe is me, hurt feelings for foreplay, co-opt your painful memories for masturbation material. Here, I got you another drink, code speak, a currency exchange for a falling hush over my sense of perpetual unease. Me too. Kill yourself comments, the reward for my female perspective, vulnerabilities punished, opinions suppressed under catch-alls, whore and slut. Me too. Your hand on my throat, all protector, playing a role drained out of you, now fully the monster you had always claimed. No buffer of kisses hung in my memory between my clamoring windpipe and the moment earlier that same day when security shattered, you turned me into the person who begs someone to please stay. Me too. That... <sighs> Trying really I feel like hard. I need a big breath after that. Some water. <laughs> that is a stunning work of art from a, a sociopolitical and, and, <laughs> and feminist, you know, side of the house, as well as just being so exceptionally written. Thank you. Um, so thank you very, very much for that. You're welcome. I'm going to drink a little bit more water you before do I go on to the next one. <laughs> I'm going to try not to sneeze. <laughs> It's all work over here, people. Mm-hmm. It's all it's all work. It's not right. just it's not just fun. So, all right, you've got one more piece for I us. I have yeah. one more piece, and this is probably my most requested piece when I go in lives yep. and, and ask people, "Do you have any any requests?" You, this this is total this request is what line. They always always say, or people ask me unprompted. I don't have to say, "Do you have any requests?" I've had people send me messages and say, "Can you send me your hard to love piece?" Oh yeah, <laughs> because that's an amazing piece. I so. want to rate it in my live. So. All right. Um, this is, this is one about how hard it is to be with someone like me. (laughs) No, this is, this is the nitty gritty honesty stuff about, you know, yeah. Yeah. Things that we all do in relationships that aren't quite healthy, but that, but are still there nonetheless. They are there and we need to deal with them. And so this is me dealing with it. (laughs) Hard to love. I am nearly impossible to love. Nearly, but not quite. So if you're hell-bent on trying, let me clue you in on what you'll be getting yourself into. I will probably never believe your love is real, or perhaps I will, but my hope in the ability of affection to be anything but fleeting long ago died. I need incessant reminders, daily, hourly, as the second hand clicks away towards minutes since your last affirmation, my sense of security will fade into the background of storm-pregnant clouds in my mind. I know who I am to myself at any given moment, but only you can reaffirm who I am through your eyes. And who I am to past lovers has swung so quickly from pedestal to pathetic that stealing myself for the impact of that sudden fall will likely distract me from noticing you, trying to love me in ways outside the comprehension of my brand of gun-shy. I won't welcome superficial urgings for me to love myself. I will see your attempts to encourage that endeavor as a way for you to wash your hands of the responsibility to be present emotionally. Don't hurt yourself. Sounds like disappointment to me. I read into things. My mind, an overactive Sherlockian mystery manufacturing machine, the inverse of my open book personality that makes people feel unbearably comfortable around me is that I'm fully at ease sparsely, if ever. I am a walking wound. Everything too much sensory overactivity informs my concern for and consequent distance from those around me. If you break through, manage to convince me to sideline my cynicism in favor of you, beware. I get hurt easily. I get over it hard. My sensitivity is straitjacket that tightens the more you struggle against it. I will notice the lackluster creeping into your kisses. Wonder what I've done. If the inevitable staleness has enveloped the me you keep in your mind, I carefully hide the extent of my insecurities, knowing full well what a burden they can be. I keep them wrapped up tight, a ball of uncertain spiderweb threads until I trust you enough feel safe, which means that by the time I let forth the floodgate, it's far too late to protect myself from how much your dismay at my fragility will force up grieving from my unwilling gut. I bear my neck, only after making sure my blood tastes sweet, after making sure you think I can handle the roughhousing, but I can't. 
I will take every possible clue as proof that you are falling out of love with me while simultaneously putting together the pieces of a plan you're not making and come to talk myself into and out of believing over and over again that you have some beautifully thought out surprise waiting for me only to hate myself for being let down by my propensity for self-defeating fantasy. You'll be haunted by the ghosts of my abuser's past. I will attempt to rescue you from your defensiveness over my flinching. At each loud noise, side eye, and exasperated sigh, you bestow on me. But a quiet resentment will breed, will spread through my bones, that you let my pain poison your well of empathy, that your patience can't extend eternally. Codependent doesn't come close. I'm all passion and sadness and enthusiastic, but abashed need. My, de my desire to know the you hidden beneath will present in clumsily invasive ways that feel skin too tight at all the wrong times, feel like expectation rather than elevation, especially if you're unready to experience the intimacy of submitting to an x-ray love that sees all of your self-harming and craves to be the sutures that hold your broken pieces together. Healing hurts, and I will never stop asking you to dive into the ocean of it with me. I mean, <laughs> boom, mic drop right there. That is so incredibly, I'm so careful with the word relatable <clears throat> because I don't mean that to be generic or basic in any way, because that's such a set of complex emotions that go with that piece in particular, all the pieces that you've put together. But I think, again, not only your accessible nature of writing, but the delivery method makes it so, so like to the heart and so able to consume. So thank you so much for thank sharing you. those pieces with us. Of course. Um, and my nose is all stuffy again. <laughs> so sorry, everyone. <laughs> this is the reality of reality, I suppose. So Kat, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and to thank talk you about this. Me. Absolutely. I've been so excited to have you and to talk about this. And I just want to encourage everyone to, um, you know, continue to check out uh, the Silver Arrow Media YouTube channel. And we'll, we'll certainly post that in the show notes for everyone because Kat's going to be doing some really amazing things with growing the spoken word community and featuring spoken word artists. And I think it's going to be such a robust part of what we're doing at Silver Arrow. So, um, so Kat, thank you. And um, I know that we will talk to you again soon. Thank you. What do you think? What's your take on spoken word? My take on spoken word is I, my honest take on spoken word is I love when other people do it. Um, it's something that I may at some point branch out into, but when I was rhyming a lot, I couldn't see myself writing prose that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I've actually done a little bit of stuff that flows like it should be spoken that I've just gotten a notepad. Um, um, right now, my take on it is that I'm leaving it to the professionals. So, Kat, you're doing an excellent job. So, okay. So, that I have a question about that. Mm -hmm. We've talked before, specifically in the last episode, about like how our styles have evolved and changed. Do you feel like, do you write differently knowing that other people are going to perform your poetry and potentially a spoken word artist might? I think subconsciously lately because work is being read and lives and um, you know, I've even had like Melissa Marie has done one of my pieces spoken and, and put it on her page, which was an honor to have her do. She's another one who's fucking fantastic at yeah. spoken word. Amazing. Um, and it's not something where I set out to write something that I go, it, I guess I'll just say it's natural. It naturally progresses to that if the piece calls for it, which is what I think you want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I know you have a couple of pieces. One of them was in the last episode. That was one that we worked on. 
um, that was really cool. It was a, a heroin based piece, but um, I know you've had some other pieces that you've written that are more of the spoken word style. Um, I shared a couple of mine. Do you, would you, would you please share one of yours or two of yours? Absolutely. So I will share um, a piece that I, which if you heard the last episode, you've heard this piece. I guess I'll do, I guess what I'll do is fuck a pricity first. So I've mentioned a couple times I used to rhyme a lot and I see this as the way my writing has progressed to something that doesn't rhyme. And that was uncomfortable for me at the beginning. Um, I think that spoken word stuff, as I talked about earlier, can rhyme. The rhythm can change up a lot more because you control the rhythm when you're reading it out loud. You don't rely on the reader to flow over the piece the way that you need them to, to let it hit, if that makes any sense. Um, so I have a piece called Fuck Apricity. Apricity is the warmth of the sun in winter. And this was a challenge piece that somebody tagged me in. I had never heard of that word before. Um, they told me, you know, long or short as you want, this this uh, piece has to say apricity in it. So I'll read it. Fuck the chucks that you wore and how your feet got soaking wet. Fuck your smile when you recall the snowy day we met. And fuck the way you have to say you showed me button poetry. Fuck being there, December air, and lending you my hoodie. And fuck the truck that we got stuck in your favorite season's snow. Fuck icy roads, Francisco quotes, and the time to get a tow. And fuck the way I fell for you. Fuck frozen leaves and poetry. Fuck eloquence and frosty months. Fuck you and fuck apricity. God, I love that piece. I haven't heard it in so long. <laughs> I haven't heard it in a long I time love- either. So the funny thing oh about my gosh. the funny thing about that piece is it's about a girl who as you can tell from the story, probably she did show me button poetry. I hadn't, and it was something Kat was talking about in her interview, in her interview where she was like, where she made the connection with spoken word that poetry is not this dead long gone thing. It is something that can be alive and be expressed and be passionate the way that she wanted it to be. And I think that was the moment when this, when this girl showed me button poetry her favorite poet was Rudy Francis, Rudy Francisco, and showed me some of his stuff. I had written a lot of music at that time. Um, like I mentioned before, wasn't big into the writing part of it, but the music part of it. And it made me see these words can come alive. The lyrics can come alive without music. And it, I don't know. It, I don't want to say it made poetry cool, but fuck it. It made poetry cool. I think it, well, it made it accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think those are the moments that, they, that poetry becomes accessible to us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then I will read. So this one is, do we have time? Yeah, we do. Totally. Okay. So this is the one I read last time and, or on our last episode. And uh, you'll see this one has a little more, it bends towards that. It lends itself to being read. Um, I lived for you, breathed for you, slow and steady like the seasons ease through you, like a breeze through trees. I could only see me through you. I held fast to you. My heart collapsed for you, gripped tight to maps and looked past this last relapse for you and this last and this last relapse for you. But I can't be holding me for you, the only one holding me for you. I can't, I wish things weren't this way for you and I can't someday for you. I can't be the thing you cling to when you don't have the thing you mean to. I can't live for you. I can't breathe for you. I'm not me for you. Can I just tell you that that's my new favorite piece that you've written? <laughs> really? It is. I love it so much. And I'm glad that you consented to read it again under duress <laughs> because I said I wanted to hear it again. I'm glad. That- um, it, is. it is. I hear the difference in your voice when you read it. It's really a differently designed piece yeah. than other other pieces you have. I can't wait until you, you post it and share it with the community. Cool. It definitely, um, I appreciate that. It definitely, uh, it's new for me. It's different for me. So there's a little shakiness there and there's a little, but I want to branch out. I've, ex- I've loved the things that I've learned. I've loved the things I've learned about writing, poetry, all that up till now. And I want to continue to do other things. I want to continue to broaden that art and try new things. It's fun. 
Well, you're certainly well positioned to do it in the community that we belong to. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said it so many times that it's a masterclass and in, in learning how to do those things. And, you know, our relationship and the way we push each other certainly helps with that as well. Um, so with that, I think that that's a fitting place to close the subject of spoken word. I think we've all learned a lot and um, gotten to know what a little bit more about what spoken word is. Um, next episode, we are going to be talking about the ever-present drama that happens on Instagram. So as a part of any, um, you know, any community, we want to talk a little bit about that and specifically about cyberbullying um, and how that can play into even a community that's dedicated to art and sharing and poetry. So tune in um, next week for that episode. Um, Producer Paul, thank you so much, as always, for all of your work. Thank you, Paul. My Um, pleasure. It's always wonderful to work with you. And Corey, thank you as usual. And our next episode um, is scheduled to drop on Friday, March 9th. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you.